Coming to you from the Hawk's Nest, here to satisfy your baseball fix. It is Outfielders Anonymous. All right, welcome back, Outfielders Anonymous fans. Sitting here in the Hawk's Nest, I'm Hawk. And my buddy here, Chase, is sitting across the table from me. What's going on, guys? And uh, we'd first like to start out episode five, uh, sending our condolences out. You know, there was a huge loss in the sports world uh, over the weekend with Kobe Bryant tragically dying in a helicopter crash with his daughter, as well as, I believe, six other people. I think there was eight people totally on board. Nine. Nine with the pilot. Yeah. Um, And forgive me, I don't have the names of all those that passed away in front of me, but it's certainly tragic anytime uh, you have something like this, but given Kobe's prominence in the sports world, um, you know, his contributions to the communities that he lived in and he impacted and the, the new businesses that he was starting. I didn't realize until after this uh, occurred that, he won an Oscar for a short film mm-hmm. um, that he had. Um, short animated film. Short animated film that he had produced, yep. um, and had a creativity studio. They showed a they showed an interview that you know I I, got, I don't know if it was on CBS News Sunday morning or um, something, but how he has a creativity studio and uh, art and things like that that he was getting into that uh, he readily admitted that he had no plans to do it, but that's where his life was kind of taking him and. At 41 years old, obviously, it's a terrible tragedy to the Bryant family, uh, to the NBA family, to the sports world. Um, so I know I personally send my condolences out there. And Chase, I'll turn it over to you for any other words that you would like to say. Yeah, it's it's awful. And, you know, when, it, when the news first broke, I know some of my clients know this because one of them actually reached out to me before – um, and he lives in Los Angeles. So I've got a friend of mine who um, I work pretty closely with during baseball season because he covers the Dodgers daily. He travels with them. So I get a lot of information as far as their schedules and stuff like that. And he sent me a text, He, you know, and he says, hey, be prepared for the storm. Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash this morning. And at that time, it had not broke yet. And I'm like, this has got to be a sick joke. Well, about 30 minutes later, I have ESPN on the TV. I'm sitting in front of my computer working. You would think that ESPN would be the first one, and TMZ pops up. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Something's not right here. And then it was about a half hour after he had texted me. Then, boom, it was everywhere. A few hours later, you find out that um, – his daughter, his 13-year-old daughter was with him. They were on the way to one of her basketball games along with another player. Uh, several, I think several players from the team. Yeah, two players and, then, and maybe three total parents yeah. besides him. And, man, I just it, – it's awful. And, you know, I, I it, it's awful. I, I don't want anybody to forget that there were other families involved. It wasn't just you yeah. know, Kobe Bryant. But at the same time, it's different when – someone that impacts an entire generation and is global who everybody knows you know passes away versus you know someone who didn't leave their mark on an entire you know globe of people so it's uh it's tough he's definitely part of my generation so i've watched him since he came into the league and then he left and then watching his kids come up his daughter was already being talked about as a future college star so it's it's tough i i feel horrible for his family you yeah. know his wife and the kids he left behind and i gotta give a shout out i don't know the twitter handle but i was on twitter earlier and um somebody had reposted something from their facebook account that some lady had put on there like one of the people i follow on twitter had posted something about kobe bryant and some woman had said, I'm sorry, don't mean to sound heartless, but why should I care about Kobe Bryant's death? And he's like, you don't have to, but why should I give a crap about your your kid shitting in the toilet for the first time? No one cares. Leave your comments to yourself. So kudos to you for saying that. Yeah. So, well, and 
and you know, why should you care? I mean, look, you it's everybody's prerogative to have a concern and not have a concern. So Yeah, and um, I'm not saying that you should care because it's Kobe Bryant. But, I'm not, but, but why like, comment about it like Yeah, that? exactly. It's if, like if I you don't care, just move along. The only thing that I, I, think I say that's a is a problem just in general in our world today is that everybody thinks they need to comment about everything. Yeah. That's the problem with social media is everybody's got an opinion now and half of them are just need to be yeah. keep them to yourself. I'm not saying you should care, but just like I think everybody needs to care as much about the other people that were involved. Exactly. Yeah. As you know, as Kobe Bryant. But at the same time, we didn't know those people. And we're and it doesn't matter how much you talk about them, they're never gonna be what Kobe was because Kobe was a global brand. Yeah. He, he was there. But, you know, if you're going to say something like that, don't. Because what he said in return was like, you know what? Nobody cares about your kid using the bathroom for the first time. Right. But we don't say it. Yeah. So, kudos to you, sir. So, but again, on, on closing this out, just our, our condolences to the Bryant family, the NBA family, uh, yeah, the this sports world. Be, this and, is going to uh, be a and long I, time. It, what's crazy is that it, it was just the day or so before that LeBron James had passed his the um, night before the night before the yeah, like twelve the, hours yeah and I and I was watching you know footage of LeBron's press conference after the game talking about Kobe and then Kobe of course, had texted him yeah or, or tweeted out yeah and then oh. like in less than twenty four hours now there's a press conference about LeBron you know in shock that. Kobe was gone. It's yeah. it's just crazy. So that's got to be uh, you know rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, I think Gianna was yeah, was Gianna. his daughter's Gigi name. Gigi is what she went and, by. Uh, before we end this podcast, I'm actually going to look up what the other folks' names were. I think it. I've uh, actually got it, so I'll look it up and have it ready. Okay, I've got Sounds it right good. here. Well, uh, again, uh, we're moving on because there are some topics uh, with baseball. Uh, last time we. Talked about the fallout of the cheating scandal with the Astros and uh, the fallout with the Mets and the Red Sox. and uh, But we wanted to – but in between that time, the Hall of Fame election occurred. And there were two elections this year, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. And I guess first we can talk about Derek Jeter because, I don't know, it's the most obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, before we started recording, we were talking – and you know, my question was, do we do we know who the one person was that didn't vote for Derek Jeter? I don't know who it is yet, um, and I'm sure it'll come out before it's all said and done. And and again, you and I were just talking a second ago, um, and I don't know this to be a hundred percent true. The source that I was told from is credible enough for me to believe it, and it doesn't sound completely, you know, out of question. But apparently. The one sole person within the Writers Association that didn't vote, from what the rumor is, is one of the writers that wanted um, King Griffey Jr. to be the very first unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, the year that Griffey, two years ago when he was being inducted in, or three years ago, whatever it was, I guess there was talk amongst the community, and, and there was one person on the East Coast there was like no no way i'm i'm not going to vote for griffey specifically because when derek jeter comes around i think that he should be the first unanimous first ballot well that didn't work out because there was a unanimous in between both of them right but Mariana i think Rivera because in 2019 the guy on the east coast stood true to what he said and did not vote for king griffey junior that the i think the person that had brought that up on the west coast was like you know what we know Derek Jeter deserves to get in. My vote really doesn't matter, but I'm going to do this just just yeah, to prove a point. symbolic. Yeah, it's stupid. Like there's <laughs> there's no way that I mean a blind person would know that Derek Jeter should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it really was, and um, you know, congratulations to to Jeter. Um, you know, being an Orioles fan and hating the Yankees uh, as much as I do. There are a couple couple of the boys in pinstripes that I don't hate. And Derek Jeter is at the very top of that list. Always a stand-up guy. Never a smack talker. A humble guy from all the press conferences I've seen. Look, he, he's probably, he was confident, and he showed his confidence, but I never saw him act uh, unsportsmanlike with nope. cockiness. Just a good guy uh, from, you know, everything I saw. So congratulations to yeah. To, they, I don't think people realize how much work it takes 
to be in the biggest sports media market on the planet, New York City, be as talented as you are, be in every front page of everything. Everybody wants a piece of you. And not one time was he ever in the news for something bad. Yeah. No performance enhancing drugs, no uh, domestic violence, n- nothing. Yeah. Nothing other than being a role model and a great baseball player. And that in itself, in this day and age, you just don't hear about it. But everybody goes through something in their life Yeah, to be in front of the media like that for 20 years and for the media to have nothing to say about you that could even remotely say that you're anything less than a stand up human being. That's impressive. Yeah. And I, there was, and I forget who it was. It was a former, it was a former Yankee um, that was talking about Jeter. And I guess that they were saying, you know, early on in his career, one of his first couple of years there, they would come to the ballpark before a game, and Jeter was there first, right? Or, you know, not necessarily first, but he was there early. And he's sitting there taking, like, several hundred ground balls just to practice. Mm-hmm. And in their mind, they're thinking, yeah, this this young kid, you know, this will end. But it didn't. Like, in his last year, um, he was still at the ballpark early to just field ground balls, field ground balls, field yep. ground balls. And that's – you know, that's just one of those uh, epitomes of a practitioner of being the, being the best at what you do because of practice. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a quote that I used when I was delivering training uh, that says, you know, practice is not what you do once you get good. It's what gets you good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that kudos to, to Jeter. Some of his stats that are everywhere, but you know, it would, it would, we would fall short if we didn't just kind of reiterate these. Uh, he had a total of 11,195 at bats, 303,465 hits in his career for a batting average of 310. Uh, had 260 home runs, uh, knocked in 1,923 uh, runs. 1,311 RBIs. I guess he scored 1,923 runs. Knocked in 1,311 uh, RBIs. Um, so, one base percentage, 377. Slugging, 440. So, clearly, you know. No question he's a Hall of Famer. And yeah. what and what's crazy is if you look at people, like we'll, we'll take Derek Jeter, obviously, as an example. But let's let's look at somebody like, I did not know he was born the same year I was. He was born in 74, so he and I are the same age. And clearly, we've accomplished about the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I borrow $40 Because that's probably what he's got in his normal checking right. account. Just in his pocket. Gosh, yeah. He's just like rolling. Um, let's look at somebody like, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, let's take Mike Trout, for instance. Like Mike Trout is like somebody that's making Sports Center's top ten on you know a weekly basis during the season and somebody made a comment the other day that actually stuck with me as they were like you didn't see a lot of that from Jeter you didn't see the top tens every week it would happen a few times a season where he would make just an incredible defensive play or a home run in the clutch or something but even though you didn't see that is where because some people were actually questioning they were like well god I can't remember like if you're a hall of famer you should be able to think back if you were around for someone's entire career, you should be able to think back to at least 10 instances where they made like the play of the century, right? Well, Derek Jeter was consistent every single night. He was on base, he was getting runs, he was playing, and he was doing it in the toughest market there is. So that really stuck with me. They were like, yeah, he might have not been SportsCenter's top 10 every night, but he was the most consistent player on the field every time he took the field. And when it came time to be that clutch guy, he was it. In the postseason, I think they said that he's got more postseason wins um, than anybody, like, right now. Like, I don't – how many games has he played in the postseason? Let's look that up while we're going on. Yeah, there was – um, what there was one play, and I forget what they nicknamed it, but it was in the World Series, if I'm not mistaken, and he – Dove into the stands? No, he uh, – he basically, I think he cut off a ball from uh, right field, 
You're talking about first base and, and then, threw it backwards yeah, to home then, plate yeah, to cut off the run. Yeah, yeah. I remember that play. They called it the scoop or something like that. Okay, so here we go. In 158 postseason games, that's the equivalent of a full season by four games. Mm-hmm. He played an entire season in the postseason. 200 hits, 20 homers, 18 steals with a 308 batting average and a 374 on base percentage and an 838 OPS postseason. Yeah. That's crazy. And how many World Series did he win? Five? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Hall of Famer, to say the very, very least. Jeter, I'd uh, tip my hat to you, of course. Uh, well-deserved induction into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, we, we, I think before we uh, started recording, you you had said, you know, it'd, it'd be great to get to Cooperstown for that induction, but you probably won't be able to get a seat in the state of New York. No. they they Somebody <laughs> actually made um, – a comment on MLB Network the other day, they were like, you know, because fans come out every year for their – this isn't just, hey, Derek Jeter's, you know, was my favorite player. You're still going to have those like you do for everybody that gets inducted. They're talking about this being more of a celebrity event. Like every celebrity is going to be there because they recognize Derek Jeter as one of the best to ever play his sport. Yep. You're going to have – Potentially Barack Obama, they said, is yeah. a huge Derek Jeter fan. He'll probably be. They're talking about you might not even be able to find a place to stand in Cooperstown, which isn't hard to imagine because the place is only a street long. <laughs> but but still, they you know it's hard enough to get. You got to book hotels a couple of years in advance to get the stuff like this. Yeah. But for Jeter, people were booking at the time Jeter retired for five yeah. years later. Speaking of Hall of Fame voting, before we get on to Larry Walker, so one of the, when we were just talking about the um, lack of unanimous voting, and Mariano Rivera in 2019 was the only one to have unanimous votes. Um, I have a couple questions about it. Maybe, you know, we can just talk this through real quick, but in 2019, there were 425 total voters. In 2020, there were only 397. What happened to the 28 people? A good many of them died. Oh, I guess so. There's probably like a, a lot of old, decrepit. I'm not saying all of them, but I know that there was at least a good handful. But what of them, I mean, actually. does somebody get their credentials taken away? That Do they I don't retire know. I mean, out of it, media it, business? I mean, well, I figured once you were. The thing is, I don't think retirement wouldn't have much to do with it because it's like once you're a part of it. Yeah, that's what I, would I think still too. think you would have that credential to make your vote. Maybe not. Maybe I could be wrong about that. Um, but. I mean, right now, I mean, if you look at half of the Writers Association, they're, I mean, some of them, it's amazing that they're still kicking. Yeah. So. I mean, I I look at this list. um, I'm just on baseballreference.com, and it's talking about the Hall of Fame voting percentages. I mean, Mariano Rivera is the only one that had unanimous voting. Mm -hmm. Good for Mariano, and I'm not saying that he didn't deserve unanimous voting. No, I but there are people on here that stand out that how did these people not get unanimous voting? Nolan Ryan, Cal Ripken Jr., Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Tony Gwynn, Randy Johnson. Tony Gwynn surprised me. Cal Ripken surprised me. The pitchers don't surprise me as much. Even though Rivera, he was you know a closer. The great Babe closer. Ruth didn't even get unanimous. But I think <laughs> the problem is the Writers Association are all the big integrity of the game type people. Whereas like if you that's what kills me. They talk about Pete Rose did this, he can't get in. But yet, if you go back and look at the Babe Ruth and the Ty Cobb era, there's gamblers, drunks, drug addicts. Oh, Ty I Cobb mean, apparently was a horrible human being. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you. Go and look back these people were probably terrible i was watching the the baseball documentary that uh that uh ken uh what's his name ken burns ken burns did several years ago christ uh bob costas is a very young man in it um but i was watching oh, you're that. talking about baseball the documentary baseball the documentary yes. that he did it's like yeah. nine parts or something. i've seen them all but there's a portion yeah I, I watched it too but it was on the other day and it's you know it's one of those things where if it's on i'll be like ah, let me tune into it let me see what, what they're talking about and they were talking about Ty Cobb and just how, I mean, he he basically disappeared out of nowhere. He he hated to give his autograph. Just just an asshole. Yeah, and it's like you talk about going back into that day where everybody was drinking, everybody was, uh, you know, whoring around. 
Arizona, if we really want to be real about it, if you're going to go take the moral high road here, then it's probably going to be Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn, Derek Jeter, and Jackie Robinson. And there's the only people that morally are probably going to be allowed into the Hall of Fame. King Griffey Jr., maybe. I don't know. But the thing is, they the pitchers I get to a certain extent because – you know, they're at bats. A lot of them can't hit. So if you're looking at it as an overall statistical thing, I can understand a pitcher not getting a unanimous vote. I get it. But there are certain people, like you said, like Cal Ripken. Wow. Uh, Tony Gwynn. So Jackie Robinson only got 77.5% of the vote. Well, you got to think, uh, again, let's go back to how old these people are. Half of them are still probably racist. Uh, yeah, 1962 was when he was inducted, and you're probably right. Yeah, half of them probably just didn't vote him in because they, yeah. he was black. Jeez. Just being real about it. So, um, but just below Jackie Robinson, our other inductee, Larry Walker, gets into the Hall of Fame this year. His final year. Too. His final year. If he had not made it this year, then that was that was all she wrote. wrote. So uh, you, he is the the second. Canadian mm-hmm. to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Who was the first? Fergie Jenkins. Fergie Jenkins, who was a Cub, if I'm not mistaken. He was. You were uh, your Cubbies. He was a Cub. And he just made the cut at 75.4%. Yep. Had one person, one less person voted for Fergie Jenkins, he would have been out. The only person below him was Al Simmons. Uh, inducted in 1953 with 75.38% of the vote. Yep. And we know that 75% is the threshold, so mm-hmm. uh, you have to get over over that. So uh, Larry Walker's stats, you know, there's similar numbers to Jeter, actually. I mean, his his uh, career batting average, 313. Jeter's was 310. Um, but a stark difference in the number of bats. Jeter had 11,000. Um Larry is just shy of 7,000, 6,907, with 2,160 hits. He did have more uh, home runs, 383. Uh, is that because of the uh, thin air in at Coors Field? I'd say that plays a big part. But you also got to think Larry Walker's a big dude. Yeah. He's, I mean, even now when I was watching him as he got – you know, the announcements on TV, and then when they brought him to the MLB studios the next day to do, like, the the special on him and Jeter, he's in very good shape, and yeah. he is a big dude. But now they list they list Larry Walker as six foot two, 185 pounds. That's BS. Jeter is six foot three, 195 pounds. There's no way that – I mean, because you could watch him standing side by side. Well, now, now. Maybe, now, yeah. now, but I mean, he's not think, in – even then, if you go back and watch old film on him, his upper body's big. Yeah. And now, if he weighs 185 pounds, it's all upper body. Yeah. So, congratulations to Larry Walker, the second Canadian. I do think that the the whole Coors Field, that hurt him for the first nine years. I think that the reason it changed this year, because I think there's a lot of people that still think that Coors Field, like, and I'm one of them. I do think that you have a tremendous hitting advantage in Coors Field. The elevation, the thin air. Um but I think now with players coming up through that Rockies organization like Nolan Arenado and people like that that are destined to be Hall of Famers, if they don't start changing it now for someone who played the majority you know, of their career there, then it's now kind of like, okay, well, if you play for the Rockies most of your career, we don't care about your numbers you're not in because it, you're just at an advantage. And, uh, you know, who's to say that the next Mike Trout doesn't end up in Colorado? That also hurts the Rockies organization because nobody's going to want to play there. Yeah, I'm scrolling down here just to see if they break this out by, um, by, sorry, uh, by home or away. Just to see if there was a big difference there. Because, I mean, that would be the telltale sign, right? I mean, if he's batting, you know. Oh, Larry Walker was a great batter. Yeah. No I mean, if he's batting 500 course field and 200 away, yeah, yeah. I get it, okay? He but, was a great batter. I think the home runs around, the home runs are a big thing. Perhaps. So, but congrats to both of them. Congratulations they both to the 2020 class, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Derek Jeter, um, and Larry Walker from the Colorado Rockies. 
Moving on, so there's been some managerial decisions, or I guess it's not official. It's not Facebook official, right? They haven't announced it on Facebook, so it's not official. I guess so. Uh, but all indicators show that Dusty Baker is heading to the Astros. What's your opinion on that? I think that it's good for Dusty. The The things that I keep reading are people like, oh, it's terrible for him and his image because Dusty's always been this you know, stand-up, old-school baseball guy. Now he's going to go to the organization that's – always now or at least for the distant future going to be known for cheating but it's like i say for dusty has without directly saying it dusty's pretty much come out and said listen i'm at the age now where i'm not going anywhere to rebuild anything you're either winning and ready to win now or i'm not going to be there because i don't believe for a second that the Orioles, the Angels, and people like that haven't offered him jobs ever since he left. Well, the there's Nationals. really no downside for him, right? Because exactly. Because if he goes like, in there and they don't do well, eh, he made a paycheck he and he already has a great legacy. Yeah, because I mean, if look, he goes he, in there and wins, yeah, and, because he and, went to the Nationals, and they beat, didn't win and they there. Stay, they stay a leading contender for for the championship for the World Series. Then now he looks like he is a genius because he took this, you know unethical organization he came in made them ethical and kept them winning yeah i mean and i think he'll be good for the media too because as the media starts to dig in on them as the season goes on he's one of the people that will be like look if that's all you want to talk about i won't take any questions and that's how we can be yeah and because he has no affiliation to that to that nope and the thing is he's won wherever he's gone yeah he he they they were winning at least enough when he was with the Cubs, even though he wasn't. He's the extremely well liked. Yes, the baseball. I mean, baseball loves him. He was winning when he was with the Nationals. He could never get the ring, but he's done well. And but it's like you said, I'm not rebuilding anything. I'm either done or I'm going somewhere where I can win. Now the Astros still have World Series talent. Yeah. So we'll, well see. we talked about it last time. I mean, they have top caliber talent that didn't need. To cheat. No. Yes, they a, did. And then, you know, what? how's that going to affect them going forward? Uh, we'll see as an there. organization, I don't think it'll affect them near as much as it's going to affect each player individually. The more that I look into it now, I think players like Altuve and Bregman. Should they change their name back to the Colt 45s? <laughs> I think Maybe they'll those, escape all of the, the – I think those players are going to have more of a – a big cloud over them than the Astros organization themselves. Because the Astros organization, if you think about it, as a franchise in a major city, you just want to make sure that your city and your fans like you. You don't give a crap if people in Los Angeles like you. You know they don't like you anyway, cheat or no cheat. If they're going to let you go out there and play, if your city likes you. Speaking of Los Angeles, I, I saw that, I guess, the Los Angeles City Council was passing a resolution that they would formally request that Major League vacate the Astros championship and award it to the Dodgers. Yeah, that's so stupid. Yeah. What a, I mean, if I was on the Dodgers team, I mean, symbolic like, symbolic yeah. political shit like that is what pisses me off. Yeah, like I, I don't even know if I was Dave Roberts, I don't think I'd want it. No, because it's like, well, I didn't get to celebrate anything. Now yeah. you're just you're handing me like a pity trophy. Yeah, I'm not into participation yeah, you're, trophies. You're changing the print, and there's no parade. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't care for any of that. Well, they're good enough to win. I think they should have. I do think that if maybe there was no cheating going on, one of those two World Series, I think the Dodgers would have had. Hmm. Well, um, off of the Astros now, we know that the Red Sox and the Mets both, both fired their managers, Alex Cora and uh, Carlos Beltran. The Red Sox, um, neither one of them have a manager in place, and the Red Sox came out and said um, that – there won't be anybody in place prior to the start of spring training. And I thought that I heard someone from the Red Sox organization say it's not necessary for us to have a manager. Uh, you know, I don't know if they said in the beginning of spring training to start spring training or what, but I don't know. I, I find that kind of ludicrous that you, it's your manager. He's shaped through spring training. He's shaping his roster, his, his pitching lineup you know, he's – I mean, I get the pitching coaches are there and, and there's other coaches working on stuff. I don't know. I, I just think that that leads if, – if nothing more, it leads to a very slow start in the regular season. I think that they're wrong for not naming a manager um, going into spring training. Do I think they need one? No, because now that 
you know, all the analytics and saber metrics have been brought into the game, the manager really doesn't do anything at the beginning of spring training. It's the coaches, your positional coaches, your your you know, your pitching coaches, um, your hitting coaches. They're the ones actually doing the work while the manager's kind of sitting back just waiting in the wings and dealing with the media. Well, I do think that it's smart for them to make sure that whoever they're going to put in place is going to have some thick skin and be ready to take the media the right way, like a Dusty Baker would. So I think that that's good. That's also going to buy them a little time in spring training to not have to deal with the media as much because who's going to deal with it? Your hitting coach? He ain't going to do that. Not unless you're going to pay him to do it. And they're not going to promote him to manager. So as far as is it going to hurt the team itself that they put on the field? No. I don't, but I think that they need to hurry up and make a decision. Otherwise, you can't go to opening day without a manager. So you just we, can't do it. So the Red Sox haven't made a decision. Mets haven't made. Or I mean, the Mets have all but made a decision. I believe it, it, it's their um, their quality control coach, Luis Rojas. Ah, if I'm Has not he, Have they said interim, or is he just going to be manager? That was up for debate. Um, I mean, do the the Mets? Look, Mets had a terrible season last year. It got better. They've got see. That's the thing with with this guy is he was part of the reason that the team's kind of he's he's one he's the guy outside looking in. Like this is who we need to keep. This is who we need to deal away. This is who we need to. He's sitting in the stands watching it from an outside looking in standpoint. Right. I think that he would be a great fit. I think that he'll be a better fit than Beltran um, would have been. Yeah, absolutely. I most certainly think that. And um, Beltran was just a figurehead, you think? I think that it was, yeah, and because he's so – it's kind of like David Ross. He's so, he's only been out of the game two years. He's still a fan guy. People like him. So it would be good for their organization. But um, it says right here that the Mets are actively searching for Luis Rojas' replacement as quality control coach. Um and it looks like, yeah, he is going to be the manager okay. of the New York Mets. And I and, and to be honest with you, if he doesn't do anything stupid over the next two years by dealing away all their pitching talent or making a dumb trade, I think he could be I think he could be long term with them and have yeah. some success. They've definitely got the the talent. How good for him. So the Red Sox, any word on who a replacement is going to be for no, Cora. I've heard a handful of names be thrown out there, but nothing that it was like, hey, we're – they said that they're in the the thick of their hiring process or their interviewing process, but nothing – the Red Sox have not released any name to make you think that anyone has a clear-cut shot at taking the job. Hmm. wonder if there's been any uh, inklings down through the rest of the Red Sox organization. Maybe uh, – See, I was wondering that. That's something we'll have to ask Eric about when we see him in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have another follow-up interview with Eric Jarenko from the Greenville Drive single A affiliate with Red Sox here in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Well, now is a good time to take a break. Uh, this segment of – or this episode of Outfielders Anonymous is sponsored by ChaseWins.com. Do you love sports? Do you love making money? How about making money on sports? If you are looking to make consistent profits in the world of sports gambling, sports betting, sports investing, however you would like to word it, go to chasewins.com, your headline sponsor for this episode of Outfielders Anonymous. And if you'd like to give us a try, use coupon code CHASE54, C-H-A-S-E, and the number 54. That is in honor of the upcoming Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54. That will give you 25% off anything at the site. Expert knowledge and proven statistics, everything rolled into one to ensure that you have profitable and long-term success in your journey with sports investing. Again, go to chasewins.com, and if interested, use the coupon code CHASE54. Again, that's CHASE, C-H-A-S-E, and the number 54 for 25% off any package that you want to. If you want to start small, do so. If you've already been with us before and you want to get on something more long term there's no better time than now to take advantage of the discount this coupon code will be valid through super bowl sunday again that is chasewins.com all right welcome back outfielders and on fans Break, the sponsorship, chasewins.com. 
All right, moving along, we've covered uh, the Hall of Fame and some of the uh, Dusty Baker going to the Astros and some discussion about the managerial um, topics that we discussed. Um, how about Mookie Betts? It looks like he's leaving. Well, nobody's said anything official yet, but the, the What last... does the Red Sox manager think about that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably thinks he wish. I, I bet he wishes he had a say-so still. Yeah. Um, or the incoming one would have wished it once he gets there. What what confuses me about it is, so they've got one more year of control of Mookie. $27 million is what it's going to cost for him for a year. But after that, he's still going to be able to be a free agent. So it, it just seems to me like if anybody were to buy him, why didn't you try to make this happen a year or two ago where you actually had a few years because now it's whoever gets him. It's we need to be able to win right now, which with the dot with the Dodgers, because the two front runners in this thing are the Dodgers and the Padres. So he's going to the West coast. It sounds like, Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that, which I think in the last episode that we actually talked about this, I said that the Dodgers would be the best fit for him short term or long term. Short term, well, they're the Dodgers, certainly set up to win. Yes, absolutely. So, the Padres are are getting there, but he's an addition to an already stout squad. Yeah, but it's like if you go to the Padres and the Padres cannot keep him after this year, which I'm not saying they couldn't, but you've already signed some big, big contracts. I don't know that Mookie would choose to stay with the Padres after a year no matter the contract, if he could get the same amount going to an organization like the Dodgers that's going to be set up for years to come. I, again, I don't know. I guess the, if you just want to talk about the logistics of it or the geographical location, I don't think there's a more desirable place in the country you'd want to be rather than San Diego. You know, it's warm all year. It doesn't rain. That's where I would want to be if I just wanted to talk about location. But for somebody like Mets, I could nail it as a weatherman there. Yeah, <laughs> so could a blind man. <laughs> but with somebody like Betts, who's inevitably a future Hall of Famer himself, you would you're some somewhere you want to go somewhere where you win. Yeah, and I just don't know that the the Padres just aren't there yet with or without him. So I would say the Dodgers have the upper hand. But for me. If the Padres are going to get him, I think that they need to be in serious talks with Mookie's management team to say, what are our chances after this year of getting him? What do we think it's going to cost? Do we have a shot? Because if you don't, don't waste $27 million just to sell some extra tickets this year because you're not going to win a World Series because of him. And then he's gone after this year anyway. So what's the point? You know, It's not like Manny Machado who you signed for 10 years. So that's my take on it. But it looks like Met Betts. But is Dodgers is a big market team, so they could pony up and and get him signed. Oh, they could. Pon- I mean, yes. If they even if they weren't a contender right now, I mean, they could say, "Well, we'll give you whatever you want because we will be." It's like yeah. the Yankees. If the Yankees really wanted him, they could probably go get him. Okay, so he goes to the Dodgers. Dodgers win the World Series. Yeah, I think the Dodgers win the World Series without him. With with him, clear cut favorite at least. For me. So let me ask this. He goes to the Dodgers. They win the World Series. Do they then let him go? No. I think that they would probably keep him. I think they would start work because they've got a lot of talented prospects, too, coming up. Now, the Dodgers are one of the organizations that are very good about not shipping off all of their prospects like a Yankees do to say – let let's put a team on the field right now, try to win, and then we'll you know, we'll just keep buying talent. The Dodgers will buy the talent, but they also develop it very well. I think they would release some talent, and I think they would start working on their pitching again. Obviously, you just have Clayton Kershaw and people like that, but some of their more veteran pitchers, or even their their guys like that are you know still fairly young, they may start dealing some of those guys off because Mookie's young enough to play ten more years, where he's worth a ten year contract. Yeah. But if they come in and they don't win a World Series after year one, they would have to evaluate what's needed most to decide do they want to go for another, you know, big, big contract. I think that'd be a good fit for him. Originally from Tennessee, so West Coast, uh, but I'm sure he would enjoy 
living in, on the West Coast anyway. I mean, look, San Diego is very nice. Los Angeles isn't that much worse as far as weather goes. No, no. I mean, I'm just and saying you're like. there in the, you know, the entertainment capital of the world, the spotlight. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about like, you know, he's he's not having to worry about raising a bunch of kids or anything like that. But, you know, we don't know how far down the line that is for him. And it's like if you talk about a player like that has the option, who has a family, it's like, okay, do you want to be in L.A. or would you rather be an hour south in San Diego for that aspect of it? And off-season type stuff where it's like in San Diego, you can kind of kick back and chill a little bit versus – being in L.A., that's that's the one reason that Anthony Rendon said that he, he wanted the Angels and he didn't want to hear any more from the Dodgers was because of the L.A. lifestyle, which that didn't make a lot of sense. You're in Anaheim. Yeah. I mean, you're just – you are you just don't have to deal with as much traffic. Right. But he was like, I didn't want the Hollywood – California. Yeah. Pretty sure you're dealing with traffic anyway. Yeah, and he's like, I just didn't want the Hollywood lifestyle. I'm sorry. You're in Anaheim. You're in L.A. Yeah. You're just not living downtown. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been out to the West Coast a couple times, uh, went to a Dodgers game. It was in 2005. Uh, my cousin, who lives out in Huntington Beach, uh, got married, but I went to Disneyland, and Disneyland's in Anaheim. Yeah. and That's the um, two things that Anaheim but has. His they have the Angels had, and they have Disneyland. His friend had tickets to the Dodgers-Padres game that night, and he picked me up from Anaheim, and we were at Dodger Stadium in like a half an hour. Yeah, it's so not. I mean, you're in LA. Yeah, I mean, you're. It wasn't that far. So, what other uh, what other trades are out there? Any any other interesting topics that we have? Uh, Yasiel Puig still in the. No, nobody knows where he's going yet. He, I guess, he's the big name that's still out there right now with no set future um nicholas castellanos he uh he's gone from the cubs another big sign by the cincinnati reds i mean the reds are just picking the league apart with guys so i mean okay so let's let's go into that discussion not just about the reds but we just talked about you think that the dodgers are front runner for the world series right now anyway yes okay we mentioned the Astros have the talent for it. It just depends on are they able to escape this this cloud from this cheating scandal. Uh, Dusty Baker is able is he able to put a winning squad back on and get through get through the playoffs. Yeah. What other teams? Okay. So that's so we have one. Your National League favorite is the Dodgers. Your American League favorite is the Astros. I know. Truth be told. Right now, if I had to pick, I'd have to say the Yankees, number one, because they just got the Astros' best pitcher, so that means something. And number two, they're, they're not dealing with that cloud hanging over them of cheating, and it's the Yankees. I mean, if they need to go make another big sign before the trade deadline, they will. And they have nobody that, other than the Red Sox that can remotely compete with them in the AL East. So they can skate through the regular season, get their spot, and be – I mean, in the best shape of any team going into the postseason. I mean, the most rested, kickback, relaxed, anything. So that's the AL East and the AL Central, um, the Twins. I say the Twins right now just because of pitching. We'll see what happens. I think Cleveland will still be statistically the one you would want to choose, but I say the White Sox give Cleveland a run. The White Sox have the talent, I think, to surprise everyone and win the AL Central. I don't think it will happen this year. But I'd say that the Twins would be the front runner this year, and I'll go off on a limb and say that the White Sox surprised the Indians because Lindor gets traded before the deadline and is gone. And so the AL West, Anaheim? Yeah, no, Astros. Well, but, I think I made uh, the prediction. Right, right, that, the Astros are in the West. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think I made the prediction in – a previous podcast that the the angels were going to upset the astros i still think that can happen but if i've got to be logical about it just because of talent if not if no major changes come to the astros you know this coming season where somebody gets traded off or banned from baseball or anything like that until the astros prove that they're going downhill there's no reason to say that they will so national league starting in the west dodgers front runner oh yeah hands by down far NL Central. Uh, Reds? I'd say the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. And then if we just go off of talent, if you go off of statistics from last year and then what's coming back, you'd probably have to say Brewers. I'm going to say that 
it ends up being the the Cardinals winning it, the Cubs coming in second, the Reds coming in third. And I'm only saying that based on that young core group of guys that the Cubs have. They've got David Ross, the young manager, which could be good or bad for organizations, but being that he won a World Series with all those guys that are going to be on the field, or most of them. I think that he'll be able to kind of generate some of that magic back. They're going to want to play hard for him this year, especially people like Rizzo and Bryant and Baez, to say we want to keep this group of guys together. We want to stay here. We want to play for you if you're going to be here for the long haul. And I think they play – they still have the talent. It's do they play better than they did last year. Because last year they had the talent to win the Central, and they just tanked at the very end. And then I think the Reds are – a very very close third place, and if and if the anything that flip flops, I say that the Reds would jump the Cubs and take second place. All in right, the we'll, we'll come back to another question that I have, but so let's go to the NL East: uh, Nats, Phillies, Braves, Braves, Marlins. I, mean, um, I would say Marlins. <laughs> yeah, they don't count. Um, the only thing they got going for them is their owners getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, I'm going to have to go back with the Braves, to be honest with you. I think that the Nationals have the talent to do it again. I think that the Phillies have the talent to, to make a run. I think that's going to be the most competitive division in all of baseball this year. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. Um, the, the NL East, you think, because when we were just talking about the NL Central, you have the Brewers, you have the Cardinals, you have the Reds, you have the Cubs. And all of them seem like they can be contenders. Mm-hmm. I would think that that would be the most competitive or at least the most fun to watch. I think that that will be the most competitive in like dog days of summer. But when it comes down to like that last month of baseball, that September push, I think that most of those teams fall off and somebody runs away with it. Like last year, like when the Cardinals just ran away with it. And then they went from some, you know, you know, favorites of some people to win the Central to people were talking about them having what it takes to win the World Series, which everybody knew was a joke. They were not going to win the World Series. A lot of people said that about the Nationals, too, but the Nationals have a lot more talent than the Cardinals do, at least especially when it comes to pitching. But I think that when it's going to come down to the, the wire where you're going to be watching every game to see what happens, I think it's the NLEs. The Phillies the Nationals, and the Braves. The Braves lack a little bit in pitching, but they make up for it at the plate. The Phillies are just going to be that thorn in everyone's side. The Nationals, it's all going to depend on if they, they have they have the full package. They're losing Rendon. We'll see what Scherzer does this year because, again, at his age – does he do what he did last year? Does he have an off year? All that comes into play. I think that the young talent for the Braves is just hard to beat. If they did it last year with what the Nationals had, they can most certainly do it again. All right. So, we have uh, we've talked about quite a bit today. Uh, just got a little rundown of, of where Chase thinks all of the divisions are, are going to end up, or at least, you know, some some insight into that. You know, the beauty of it is it's 162 games. You know, it's April to October. Yep. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of variables in there, whether it's injuries, this and that. Hell, we could have another cheating scandal. Who knows? Dear God. Uh, so uh, we can wrap that up. In the beginning of this, we had talked about, obviously, the, the tragedy with Kobe. Yep. And you had, you had up. stated that uh, you were going to look up I've the, got it right here in my email, and there's a names. little um, on this thing. I, mean, I don't know how much you really want me to read, but um, each person, obviously Kobe, Kobe and Gianna Bryant, there's not much we have to say about them. Everybody knows who they are and, and stuff. One of the guys that I guess would be somebody we definitely want to bring up on this podcast is uh, John Altabelli. He was a big baseball guy. He had been at Orange County College, I think is what it's called, yeah, for OCC. a long time. Yeah. Um, let's see how long, if it says. Yeah, I know that, uh, he was, uh, they, the, he was the second person that they had announced, or I guess I should say third person they had announced. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he victims. coached in the Cape Cod league and everything. Like he coached Aaron judge. 
Um, so he's been in and around baseball for a long, long time. Uh, Christina, I, I don't want to butcher anyone's names. Um, Christina Mazer, Malzer, however it's pronounced. Um, she was one of the mothers that was there. Um, so it was actually her. And then the mother-daughter combo was Sarah and Peyton Chester. Um, Era Zobayan. And then the pilot. That was the pilot. Yeah, I was, I, that yeah. sounded familiar. So you had the mother-daughter, and then you had the coach, his wife, and his daughter. So yeah. John, Carrie, and Alyssa. Um Man, it's just it's yeah. terrible. And if you go to uh, cbsnews.com, it actually gives a full bio, or I say bio. It gives a full rundown of, of everyone, who they were, um, you know, in life and then on the flight and everything. So you kind of get an idea of, you know, and, and how I, big and, of a tragedy Yeah, and I really think that is. it's it's worth um, – it's worth everyone taking a quick glance at that because, like you had said in the beginning, you know, and, and we've seen it, and it's because Kobe Bryant was famous. Uh, he primarily, uh, his daughter to a lesser degree, are kind of going to overshadow uh, the victim, the other victims in this. Um, so, you know, it's worth just reading about them. I think that uh, that helps uh, keep their memory alive. Absolutely. So. And I'm sure there'll be stuff, uh, you know, like benefits that they have or – um, some sort of fundraisers or something, and I'm sure that'll come out in the coming days. And so, for our next episode, we'll we'll keep an eye on that, and whatever you know that happens to be, we'll we'll announce that so everyone will know. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in for this episode of Outfielders Anonymous, episode five. Uh, I had a rundown of Hall of Fame, uh, Dusty Baker going to the Astros, Mookie Betts, some other. Uh, Chase's predictions of each of the divisions. So have a couple busy weeks coming up. Looks like we're going to have some uh, interviews. Uh, we had already mentioned with Eric Jarenko, uh, single-A affiliate of the Red Sox, the Greenville Drive here in our uh, town here. And uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be in a couple weeks. I want to give a, uh, a quick um, shameless plug for myself. If any of you out there have uh, ESPN+, Plus, we are entering lacrosse season. And I will be the television commentator for both men's and women's lacrosse at Furman University this year. Notably, uh, Furman is going to be playing at home against University of North Carolina Tar Heels, a very respectable lacrosse program, on March 6th, that's a Friday at 7 p.m. And then on March 10th, which is a Tuesday, versus Penn State at 7 p.m. Uh, so those are, like I said, two very notable matchups uh, for the Furman Paladins. So... Uh, and with that, uh, I think that we can close out this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in. And that's all for me. I'm Hawk. I'm Chase. And we'll talk to you later. See you.